0: There are a number of reasons why I love doing this podcast, and one of them, if not the most important, is being able to have conversations like the one in this episode. Welcome to Learning Grounds, episode 20. I'm Zach Chase, and in this episode, I got to have a conversation with Adam Hagler, who is in Brasstown, North Carolina, and along with his wife, Allison, is starting a gap year program in, uh, in Brasstown for a semester, and then uh, people can extend it but it is called The Pioneer Project, and you can find it at pioneerproject.org. Crafting, wilderness uh, exploration, and homesteading in general is the focus of the program. It's just wonderful, wonderful stuff and really interesting. Hadn't really thought about gap years other than kind of the the more stereotypical understandings. I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did, Uh, and I can't wait to get to North Carolina and, and see what Adam and Allison are creating. Also, speaking of getting places, this is not at all subtle. If you're listening to the Learning Grounds podcast, that means you probably like it a little bit. And if so, please, please, please help us out. Go to the iTunes store, look up Learning Grounds, and rate us and leave us a review. It would go a long way to making this uh, something that is very clearly what people love to hear about as far as education goes. That is enough of me doing this. Please sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of Learning Grounds. What are you learning about? Um.
1: Wow. What am I not learning about right now? Um. (laughs) 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 So I guess in starting this program, um, the biggest learning that I'm having is how to bring visions into reality. Um, And this is a 10 year dream of my wife and I, um, Allison. and uh, she decided she didn't want to be in on this (laughs) interview today. I guess I'm kind of the public relations department or whatever. So um, yeah. So learning how to, really look at all the fears you have in the face and say, you know, you can always come up with 20 reasons not to do something, especially when it's risky. Um, And when there's a whole lot of mystery and uh, unknowns to conquer. Um, And this project has been very much about just kind of saying, no, I don't think I'm going to be moved by fear. I think I'm going to be moved by optimism and, enthusiasm instead um and and so it's been it's been one thing after the other (laughs) like oh wait somebody else is doing something a lot like ours oh my goodness somebody already thought of this or oh my goodness we don't we only have two students and and it's february what's going to happen now and um just all these reasons that we could have thrown in the towel and we didn't um and so in and in terms of this program what we're learning is we are teaching farming and teaching homesteading so but that's not necessarily our background in any like really in depth way so a lot of it has been about um we are the head head veggie farmers here now and um so we've been taking over the garden and and learning a lot about that um learning how to grow food learning how to plan a garden going through a lot of the same experience that our students are going to go through when they come here, um, so that we can more effectively empathize with them as they're going through it. And so that we have some, um, some better knowledge
0: about, about gardening. Um, and we should explain, I I guess, um, what the project is. And, And so the pioneer project, um, this is, this is just me seeing if I put all the information together in my own head. Um, gap year project six months to a year um and students can can show up and they live there with you in north carolina and learn crafts and farming and 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 then help hopefully find some direction um and some focus in their life that they wouldn't otherwise have taken with them into their their freshman year of college is that close to the to the right information
1: yeah definitely it's um it's, it's a semester-long program to start, and students can stay longer if they choose. Um, and, yeah, it's a gap year program, so it's intended to expose students to a wide variety of interesting things we think are really interesting topics um, uh, in the realm, in the big umbrellas that are homesteading skills, um, traditional craft and uh, wilderness expeditions, so outdoor skills. Um, So within those umbrellas, you know, there's hundreds of things that could light a student up that um, typically students of this age group that we're talking about, 18 to 24 or so, haven't been exposed to in any in-depth way. Um, So we're looking to give them a smorgasbord of experience that they can then kind of pick and choose what lights them up and what they want to pursue once they leave here, if anything, that they are exposed to here. Either way, they they leave here with a lot more information about themselves, information about things that light them up and or don't light them up at all. So, um, yeah, so that's that's the intent of the program. Um, And our three guiding values are Um, the first one is clarity of purpose. We kind of view it as, as three circles, like the smallest circle in your world is yourself. Um, and so figuring out what you're about and becoming clear on your purpose, um, hence the smorgasbord of experience piece and having mentors here that can help kind of point out students when they are lit up and be like, Oh, you actually look really excited about that blacksmithing project you did earlier. Um, And so once they become clear on their purpose, they can move into a a wider circle of feeling empowered to do something about it and to kind of make bigger decisions in their lives that are going to start affecting others um, using their clarity of purpose. So empowerment's our next one, feeling motivated and strong enough to actually move from your passions and from your values. And then lastly, it's uh, interdependence. So. Um, the biggest circle is recognizing that you're not an island, you are connected to everything else on the planet, in the environment, and culturally um, with people. So starting to recognize that once you figure out those first two circles, you can move into that wider circle of recognizing your interdependence with everything around you and making a difference. So,
0: And I would imagine that my understanding of, of gap year is not unlike many other people's, right? It's the kind of Almost cartoonish, um, going and backpacking across Europe, right? That's I, I, I have to believe that I'm not the only one who has that as their, as their vision of of, of a gap year program. This sounds though much more structured, um, and and it, it is asking people, why don't you stay, more or less in your own backyard, um, and and see what's there. How did you, how did you come to this? How did you decide this is this is the kind of experience we want we want to offer to people
1: um that's a great question and there are gap years are such an interesting field and i don't know if you've seen the youtube video about gap years and uh the kind of pretentious british guy talking about his gap yeah and oh yeah so my gap yeah i've rode elephants and you know saying all these ridiculous things um do you guys have elephants? We do, actually. Oh, fantastic! Tiny elephants <laughs> that are um, more of a temperate variety. No, <laughs> I wish. Um, that's the that's the five year. Oh, okay, but right now we're we're dealing with mostly chickens. So, um, but uh, so the gap years, the, yeah, there is that there is that kind of notion of backpacking across Europe being the gap year experience. You know, traveling and going and kind of listlessly exploring um to to find your to find your purpose or whatever um but there are there are a wide variety of gap year programs now out there um and a lot of them most of them i would say go international and do this kind of service learning piece and cultural immersion thing where you're doing homestays or you're studying spanish and um and Allison and I have worked for a great company uh called Carpe Diem International Education that does trips abroad. Um and so the that, that industry does exist already. So and we'd seen kind of what's there. Um and when I was 18 I did I did a gap year program uh called Global Roots, that uh, where I went to Costa Rica and taught English. So so I had seen the paradigm. Um and Um, decided the reason Allison and I decided to do something in our own backyard was continually coming up on this experience of feeling like um, you can only make it's hard to make a difference outside your cultural context and I think a lot of our young Folks nowadays, including myself, when I was 18, I, I became a lot more, a lot less naive, I guess. Um, <laughs> well, that's kind of judgmental. But anyway, uh, I. I we, we all hope we did. We don't, I mean. <laughs> I hope I became a lot less naive about how I was interacting in the developing world. I, I traveled a lot and I wanted to make a difference and I wanted to help. And, you know, a lot of 18 year olds. Um, bless them nowadays have that same kind of desire to go help people that are of less material means, um, in the developing world. And so we, we saw students coming down, uh, and, and wanting to help, but not really understanding how, and a lot of times making some pretty, um, some pretty serious, Uh, mistakes or thinking that they were there to save the other and they were there to kind of offer their expertise that comes with going through K through 12 education in the United States. And oftentimes we saw that the people there in the developing world were the ones that were teaching us and that our students were getting the main benefit out of it and the communities we were going to, to serve were actually serving us. And so it felt, Allison and I were thinking about that and how like maybe it's a more powerful experience to teach people in their own backyard and teach people and focus on real skills like on um, almost vocational um, skills but self-sufficiency stuff and getting really connected to the natural world and learning where food comes from and developing a new relationship with food um, and really focusing on interpersonal skills And you can do that anywhere. And we found that the setting of the international world was a good place to do it. But in this industry, there aren't many people doing it in the United States. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we decided it would be a really good thing to do here. And we both felt that we could make the biggest difference in our own context
0: um, in a lot of ways. Speaking of that, um, I think I have have my My picture of... of, uh, uh, what homesteading, what homesteading is. is. Could you explain Do you know what, homesteading what homesteading is? is? Because I I, I, I think it's an interesting, it an interesting concept, concept as something, something that still needs still to be taught as people are 18 years old. Um, yeah.
1: Homesteading in our definition here is essentially learning self-sufficiency skills um, in terms of how to live off the land a lot more. We aren't going to be living a hundred percent off the acreage that we're sitting on. Um, but a lot of the food we eat is going to come from here. We're going to be eating eggs from our chickens and veggies from our garden and apples from our apple trees and, um, things of that nature so that students can see like, oh, wow, this is, you know, food can come from right here. Um, and, uh, within homesteading also things like beekeeping, um, and kind of taking care of, of chickens and taking care of, um, infrastructure that we have here as well so that so they're starting to develop these kind of real world skills that if they wanted to go off and grow their own food somewhere else they could do that um yeah so homesteading is essentially that another piece of our homesteading program however is going to be recognizing that uh that being completely self-sufficient isn't very realistic um and Actually, what we're going to be teaching is also that um, within your community, within 100 miles, if you learn to be a part of that community and learn to you know barter and, um, and do work trade situations, um, you can actually eat most of your food from the surrounding farms. But if you don't want to be a cattle rancher and a chicken farmer and a veggie farmer all at the same time, you can just interact with the other folks in the community who are doing that on a sustainable um, on a sustainable level. And so that's what we're going to be. We're going to be introducing them to a lot of other farms and going and working on those as well. So our homesteading curriculum may, may not be your typical uh, notion of homesteading. So it's not Little House on the Prairie? It's not quite. Not quite. <laughs> exactly. And I think there are a lot of really interesting connotations of homesteading. But to us it is about... Sustainable, um, pretty self-sufficient, but more community uh, sufficient farming and eating uh, a very a hundred mile diet kind of. Um, so, yeah, it's not your typical, not your typical homesteading curriculum, I suppose. But that's what we
0: teach. So, are, how did you and Allison decide on Brastown, Brastown, Braston? Brass <laughs> down.
1: Yeah. Got down. It. All right. Got it right the first time. Um we actually decided on it because Allison uh a few years ago, I think it was four years ago, she um, did a work study situation at the local folk school. Um it's called John C. Camo Folk School, and it's a school devoted to teaching traditional Appalachian craft. Um Allison's a big crafter. So she went and worked there for two and a half months, worked in the garden and took took classes as a trade um, and just completely fell in love with the eclectic community that is Town. It is just, it is um, full of amazing folks who are really following their heart. I mean, there isn't a huge economy here. Um, so a lot of people that live here are crafters or farmers um, or builders or, you know, very there's a very select few jobs you can choose from um, or working at the folk school. Um, And so, yeah, she just fell in love with how creative and how um, interesting and devoted to craft this community was. Um, So once she kind of found this place, it, it always stuck in her head. Um, And as we were living on the West coast for the last six years, and considering a move back to North Carolina, this is my home state um, one of the one of the places that came up obviously was was brasstown, and she found this wonderful homestead that we're living in, and where Pioneer project is going to be hosted um, and it was just we both just felt at home here, so we we kind of started making commitments
0: here and that 's what happened so how do you launch a project like this i mean it it feels like getting Getting students to you would be the, I mean, I imagine there are so many difficulties that I don't understand, but getting students to the project um, or to the website or getting the name out uh, to be the most difficult part. And it's. And I mean, it's not anything that was brought up by my guidance counselors when I was going through high school and as I've worked in schools. it's It's not a thing that I think many um many high schools are, are pushing or are suggesting to students. How do you how do you change that mindset? Or or how do you try to change that mindset, I guess?
1: Um, it's a great question. Uh, marketing. <laughs> marketing has been a really interesting uh one of the things I'm learning this year is um how to market within this industry. Um the biggest connections we've had actually to help us get students here are these people called gap year counselors. Um, and there's probably 10 of them around the United States right now that are specifically gap year counselors. Um, and students go to them or parents and students find them when they decide they don't really want to go to college for whatever reason. Um, and they want to do a gap year, but they have no idea how to kind of navigate that idea. So um, they have no idea how to navigate that. There's
0: uh, a lot of ideas
1: to navigate yeah. there, and they don't have all of them. Yeah, sorry, whatever. Um, so, <laughs> um, yeah. So they go to these counselors, and these counselors say, "Well, what are you interested in? What's what do you think you need out of this year?" And the student they have that dialogue and then they refer them to programs um and so i reached out to all that was the first thing i did was i knew of them because i went through one of them when i was 18 um and my parents and i are in the gap year field a lot because uh we co-wrote the gap year advantage so um through doing that uh, we've we've connected with a lot of people who are in the gap year field and so i knew who they were and they knew who I was, and so I just called them and said, "Hey, we're starting this cool program in North Carolina. Um, you want to send us students? And <laughs> these are the type of students we'd be looking for, and et cetera, et cetera." And uh, yeah, that's what's panned out mostly. Um, I've also been I've been really active on Facebook, promoting it, um, getting likes to our page, and pushing people towards the website through, you know, adding a, a little bit of new content and then linking it there. Um, we've recently started an indieGoGo campaign um that has a video associated with it, so' been trying to uh create some buzz that way as well um but you 're right i mean it is it's fighting a tide really, which is that um that tide towards putting students straight to college um and so essentially when you're in When you're marketing one of your programs, you're also marketing the idea of a gap year. Right. So it it seems like
0: you have to make both of those kind of arguments at the same time. Uh, Right? Like, we'd prefer that you come to us. If you don't come to us, we would also suggest you do a gap year anyway. Um, But you should really come to us. In my mind, it feels like (laughs) that would be the conversation you'd have over and over again. How do you, at that point, say, um, because, and this is perhaps my misconception is it seems to me that you're going to get a lot of kind of middle and upper middle-class uh, students um, who have means or who have the kind of social connections to know about a gap year or to find a gap year program or find a gap year counselor. How do you ensure that you're also finding students who are, are in you know, living perhaps in poverty or living not not, not necessarily middle-class or not necessarily the kind of upper-middle-class white kids that, that I think people get in their minds sometimes when they think about gap year, how do you make sure that there's a diversity of not only representation in the program, but also just in, in students who, who know and, and have the opportunity to take advantage of the program?
1: Yeah, that's, um, that's a big question still in my mind, honestly. Um, I wish I had a better answer for that. And, um, I think that is, one of the biggest pieces of the gap year industry that needs to change. Um and I wanna be a part of that. And I think our main issue is we can't afford to run the program if we don't charge the tuition we're charging. Right. And so, so there's a there's a, there's a market consideration. Um, yeah. And so as we grow uh, that's that's one of our big intentions is to start an endowment for ourselves and start a fundraising campaign in order to have scholarship funds available um, or in order for us to cut tuition based on financial need and kind of have a, a sliding scale model. Um, we talked about sliding scale being a good approach to that as long as you have the enrollment to justify uh, the financial sustainability with that. Um, so that is a that is a big question um and most of my marketing has been geared towards the typical gap year student in part because i know that's what's going to launch this place right and then within the 5 year plan definitely intending to partner with you know atlanta public schools and start getting this out there um at the public school level and um especially public schools that are in um lower socioeconomic areas um, and the, and, I definitely and- want to want to have an outreach plan for that
0: is my is that picture in my brain based on your experience with gap year programs that you've kind of worked with uh is that an accurate picture or is it just kind of again what i'm getting from i'm guessing i don't even know where i'm getting that image from maybe movies yeah Yeah, exactly (laughs) i mean is that is that an accurate uh, portrayal of of the gap year? I mean, it, when you were talking a little bit about kind of eighteen year olds saying, "Oh, I want to go and save these people in in developing places," I kind of, well, in my head, they were like middle class white folks. Uh, <laughs> is that accurate, or am I completely off base there?
1: Um, I'd say I'd say there's many opportunities for for types of gap years. Um, and my parents and I have, have talked about a variety, like there's a variety of gap year options you can have out there. Mm -hmm. Some of which you're going to pay $20,000 for, and some of which you're going to get paid for. Um, and so you can design whatever kind of gap year you want. And so at, at the level of programs like AmeriCorps and doing city year and AmeriCorps Vista, Things like that, you could do that as a gap year, and in fact, many people do. And in fact, that's what I was intending to do when I was eighteen. But unfortunately, the funding was cut in two thousand three, the year I was trying to do it for the for the Americorps programs I wanted to do. So they they got the rug got taken out from under me. So I ended up doing these kind of international service um, opportunities, which I had the I had the means at that time to do. Um, And so I think when you talk about the international service stuff, uh, yeah, you are suffering from a pretty big lack of diversity there. Um, there are some of the bigger programs will offer scholarships. Um, I know Carpe Diem has a foundation called the international Carpe Diem foundation that is particularly, uh, geared towards bringing, um, students of lower economic means, uh, to the international world and doing a Carpe Diem program. Um, and so, but in terms of the overall picture of the industry, especially the international part of that industry, I would say,
0: yeah, it's, it's upper middle class white kids, um, in my experience. Well, and it, um, it seem like it wasn't just, um, economic means, but just having this kind of social capital and connectedness to, to see those opportunities uh, that maybe that that doesn't even exist. Like, and, and I know that that's not completely unrelated to economic means, but, that I I could imagine I can imagine people who had the economic ability not necessarily ha- having the the connections that lead them down the trail to the Gap Year programs.
1: Yeah, exactly. And we're fighting that um, big time especially like in the south where there are a lot of people um that could certainly afford to do these programs but is not at all on their radar. Right. As an even as there's no way, you know, it's not the it's not the traditional choice and it's scary. And there's a lot of risks, you know, um, there's a lot of risks associated with it. And so, um, especially in people's minds more than in reality, I'd say. Um, so I think that's the, the biggest regions where it actually is known as an option are going to be like the Northeast and, uh, parts of the West coast. Um, And so those are, and that's where most students come from, um, in the gap year field, because for whatever reason, those, those regions are a little more progressive in terms of their approaches to higher education, um, and parts of Colorado, like Boulder, um, a lot of students will come from those areas as well. Um, so yeah, it is, it is just a giant kind of PR campaign to get it to the masses and, um, you know in places like uh in places like britain it is a more mainstream approach like 10% of high school graduates will go on a gap year. Oh, really? germany's germany's promoting it at uh at a level of the government now where students can go do an international serving, service thing at 18 um in lieu of military service. So there it's being recognized by a lot of european countries as as a really valid option whereas the United States is just kind of lagging in that realm uh, for one reason or the other. I do think it's gaining traction now in the U S there's a lot more media exposure and my parents um, have gotten to kind of have their fingers on the pulse of that for the last nine years being after having written that book, they're asked to be keynote speakers at certain places. And um, there's, they're seeing that there's a lot more coverage now of the concept. So,
0: well, and it seems like the timing is probably right as well, given all of the um kind of the cha- i mean the recent federal legislation changing requirements for universities on their graduates and financial aid and how much tuition costs and and these conversations about student student loan debt and this seems like the like a, almost a smart money choice if you can find the right program um to keep you from getting you know your average of twenty five thousand dollars in debt and coming out with a degree where maybe you're going to get a job, maybe you're not, maybe you're passionate about it, maybe you're not, that if you can find a program that fits here, in in that gap year, that you're actually maybe in the long term saving money? Is that is that a way of thinking about it that makes sense? That's a, absolutely
1: a, That's an argument my parents have made for years. Um, that we're too... Uh, as my stepmom says, I love this quote, we're too focused on access to college rather than success in college. Um, And so a lot of people at that senior year high school, you know, the guidance counselors are all pushing them towards college. Their parents, everybody is like, yeah, college, 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 what college are you going to? And, um, and I think we're all guilty of that to some extent because we, it's the social norm. Um, And, so there's this huge focus on access and then people don't talk about, you know, what happens when you actually get there. And oh my goodness, only 25% of entering freshmen are actually graduating in four years. Wow, that, that kind of statistic all of a sudden makes you think, huh, what are we, what are we doing to these, to these folks? And what if they had that year to think about it, even if it costs them the same as a year of tuition – how much insight on themselves can they gain from doing a gap year, especially one that's focused. uh, And I like to think Pioneer Project is very focused on helping students who are, who are doing the gap year kind of start developing more self-awareness and more kind of picture of what they're passionate about. So that when they get to college, they're ready to put the pedal to the metal and they know what they want from it. Um, And I think, it, and it, it certainly was a wise investment for me as a gap year student. I took two years off. Um, the first one, my parents funded, and the second one, I worked um, as an environment as an environmental educator for a year, and I was financially independent at nineteen. Um, so, definitely that in that gap year. Had I not done it, the second year wouldn't have even been possible. Um, so, I definitely think. You know, when you talk about a program that costs the same as in-state tuition at a state school, um, it's a wise investment to at least do a semester doing something else so that you aren't jumping into that freshman kind of freshman experience without knowing who you are or having an inkling of who you are and what you're about. It's so easy to get swept up in the social scene that involves, frankly, a lot of Substance abuse and all kinds of unhealthy social behaviors nowadays. People wearing um, pajama pants to class, exactly. <laughs> and I, I think that's the biggest—that's the biggest issue facing our colleges now—is is style.
0: Yeah, that, um, I mean, you read
1: about it all the time. Pajama pants. I mean, come on. I, um, I don't know where they learned that behavior, but <laughs> they certainly need to take a gap year to learn not to do that.
0: So. Um, so, if you could explain a little bit um, or kind of play out how the pioneer project cuz it's it's an interesting piece for me and and I should I'd like I've read uh, Michael Pollan um as I'm supposed to um and I <laughs> and actually at the beginning of of this summer I read um uh, Barbara Kingsolver's Animal Vegetable Miracle um and which changed all the things I did this summer and and um but how do you see the connection of kind of chickens and veggies and crafting and finding out more about yourself and and, and finding out kind of the, centering yourself in a way. How do you, how do you see that playing out?
1: I think what we've, I mean, each of the homesteading craft and wilderness each have an extreme therapeutic component that goes with them. Um, and I'm not talking about like therapy for, for folks who are like, Severely disturbed or anything like that's not how we envision this program right. but therapeutic to anyone who ever enters into them in some way um i think getting your hands in the soil um has uh an effect of grounding and helping you it's feel. no pun like,
0: intended there
1: yeah i know exactly <laughs> i mean it's I'm struggling to put words around it in some ways because I've had such powerful experiences myself with each of these things. Um, crafting not as much for me. I know that's uh, my my big things have been wilderness and, and farming and just kind of interacting with the natural world. Um, yeah, so I think farming, there's something extremely powerful about planting a seed and watching it go to fruit or to leaf that you can eat. There's just something extremely gratifying about it, and um, in in a lot of our world today, I think a lot of the tasks we have to complete are so abstract it's like okay when you <laughs> if you're working in an office and you're trying to you know count through the things you did in a day, it's like what of those can you actually see right well I mean a sent box in your email, whereas farming or crafting, you can, you can see what's, what's happening. And I think for young folks who have been in highly competitive academic contexts or where they're, you know, thinking they're in their head a lot, it's very helpful to be in your hands a
0: lot. um, Well, and and there's a timetable component there, I think as well. Um, Especially when talking about planting something, going from seed to, to leaf or fruit I mean, you're not hurrying that along, right? Like there's a, like you planted the seed, and now you can't just decide tomorrow you're you're going to harvest. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would imagine that to be and, and and have had the experience of that being therapeutic and kind of the no wait this is this is not yours to control this is not under under your control. Um, so I, I guess I, I can see that. How what would a day look like? Like I mean, early on, if I show up and I'm and I'm doing. Uh, i 'm part of the project um what do what do my first couple of days look like how do i How do i transition i mean- especially if i 'm from a, like i I used to teach in philadelphia so i 'm a kid from philly who 's starting his gap year and maybe this is the first time i 've planted something or i 'm going to be planting something how do how do you get how do you get people started that way
1: We actually start the program with a wilderness expedition um so and the idea behind that is just that's the real, like, comfort zone pushing element that we've got. Like, going especially for somebody from inner city Philly or wherever. And uh, wherever, especially in a, in a bustling city environment. Um, going out into the woods and living out of a backpack, carrying everything you need. Um, and cooking all your own food and sleeping underneath the tarp. It, there's just something so wildly powerful about that and um i've worked for outward bound for the last year and i actually took some inner city philly kids um last summer on a 21 day expedition and the first 3 days they were freaked out you know and you know every spider everything that crawls every sound in the night is frightening and by day 21 they didn't want to leave um and so there's something that happens as a group out there when everybody's pushing their comfort zones together. Um, that's really beautiful. It just creates extreme, sh- extremely strong relationships for folks. Um, and it also creates this relationship with yourself where you're pushing yourself in ways that you thought you never could. Um, right,
0: and then without necessarily a choice, right? I mean, what are you going to? tomorrow I want to go to the hotel and it's not going to be a-
1: no, not <laughs> exactly so cool. I mean they can't I, any student can choose we the whole idea of coming here is a choice right and so whereas you know a lot of schooling has felt like they haven't had a choice in it so we really we talk about this kind of challenge by choice concept um but it's also yeah not it's not we're if you choose not to go camping, we're not gonna put you up in a hotel. Exactly. But, you know, right. That's not gonna happen. So I think there's something really great about uh pushing yourself out there and um conquering mountains that you thought were impossible metaphorically and physically. Um and then lastly, the connection to nature. I mean, as cliche as it sounds, it is the most uh, it's been the most therapeutic aspect of my life and I feel that being in an extended wilderness trip situation is part what forges that and so that's that's how you start this semester um, and then we will do an orientation at the homestead and we'll start working in the garden pretty much immediately um, getting our hands in the dirt and helping grow food and figuring out how that looks um, and I think it just takes a lot of compassion and understanding and processing with the students to make sure that they're not in panic zone at all and that they're pushing their comfort zones, but they're still okay. You know, they're not beyond what they can do. And so I think it's a kind of, um, it's a kind of dance with the instructors of like push a little and then back off a little, push a little, back off a little. And at outward bound we called it dunking and then drying a group so it's like yeah you dunk them by hiking up that mountain for 8 miles that day and then the next day you don't you don't push so hard um so they can come
0: back into their comfort zone for a minute and is there a processing component that i mean i've i've worked with uh, there's an organization out in Arizona called uh Grand Canyon Youth and so we've had a chance to take some kids down the Colorado and the San Juan and um nice. some just awesome experiences there And, um, some pieces are, are, there's processing built in, but in other places, there's not that kind of formal processing. Um, you, you mentioned challenge by choice and I'm pretty familiar with adventure based counseling and, and those kind of elements. Is there a plan in the day for let's stop and talk about this, or is it kind of the experience will push people to process? Um, how, or, or is there a kind of a balance that you that you do for individual folks
1: We definitely intend to integrate a lot of processing elements into the experience so that it's not just left to you know oh you, you want to process now spontaneously obviously you know the teachable <laughs> moments
0: why are um, you crying so much <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly yeah, I mean the teachable moments are always a really a process where somebody's you know starting it without without some formal structure um, but we'll also definitely integrate formal structures of of um, talking about people's experience and sharing circles and um, all of those experiential education activities that can um, that can elicit kind of deeper thinking and deeper reflection about the experience so we we do intend to provide, a lot of those um, forums for students throughout the semester, Um, and our instructors who are going to be working here on a daily basis with the students um, are both highly skilled in that arena um, of talking about, of of digging deeper with an experience, so... Yeah, it's it's definitely it's not left up to chance. Um, Although you know, of course, we love those times. Serendipity is also welcome. (laughs) Yeah, when you have that one philosophical student who's like, you know, this rock climbing reminds me of my self-imposed limitations. You're like,
0: wow, thank you. Um, (laughs) We're going to put you on the brochure now.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, can we quote you on that? Thank you. So
0: excellent. Well, Adam, I've reached the bottom of my cup of coffee, which is usually where I end the podcast because <laughs> my caffeine intake is really what should uh, decide the length of a conversation. Um, <laughs> but where, where can folks find, find out about the pioneer project? Where, where can they go? I know you mentioned Facebook. Is it just facebook.com slash pioneer project education? Okay.
1: And then is, online and then online it's www.pioneerproject.org. <laughs>
0: Excellent. Any other places? Social media, uh, Twitters, uh, probably not LinkedIn. That would be strange. We haven't gotten that
1: fancy yet. They can find me on LinkedIn. Yeah, they can find Pioneer Project on LinkedIn. Okay, um, as well. But in terms of other social media outlets, we haven't we haven't uh, done that quite yet. So, but Facebook is our is our main social media one. If you want to keep up with updates and also check our website.
0: And you mentioned uh, a book. With your parents, uh, what was the title of that again? Uh, it's called The
1: Gap Year Advantage okay. by Carl Hagler and Ray Nelson, R-A-E. Um, it's, a, it's a great resource in terms of uh, it was written for parents, but it's great for students alike that are considering the gap year option and want some more information and some ideas about how to plan a gap year. And it's, it's full of lots of resources about about the industry as well so
0: fantastic adam thank you very much i really appreciate it um and i I know allison i'm terrifying so she didn't want to sit down but thank her for for (laughs) me for (laughs) putting what sounds like a fantastic project in motion i I think it's gonna be pretty wonderful i can't wait to to read more about it and we'll check in so next year is your first class or is are there this september this september less than two months from now we're launching. You are um, incredibly calm for that, uh, for that (laughs) timetable. I'm (laughs) impressed. I guess there's Uh, a fire
1: burning deep inside, but I try not, I try not to let it, let the flames show too much. So um, So
0: maybe at the end of uh, your first semester, we can, we can do this again and, uh, and check in and see how things are going.
1: Thanks a lot, man. And we appreciate you taking the time to investigate the pioneer project and, and share it with your, with your podcast audience. And, uh, yeah, it's, you asked some really great, thought-provoking questions that I'm going to continue answering to myself um, as, the, as the year progresses.
0: So. You should know I'm really bad at answering questions, so <laughs> I'm only half-impressive. <laughs> Me too. So. Uh, thanks very much. All right. Thanks a lot, Zach. Have a good one. You too. Thank you for listening to Learning Grounds. I'm Zach Chase. Our intro and outro music comes from New Dance Boys' Mission, and it's called Intro. It's licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike License. Learning Grounds is also licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike License. I dare you to say it three times fast. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.